Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host Chase McCallum, and today we're going to be doing a round three preview. Uh, it is the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, two series left, just four teams left, and um, maybe not the four teams we would have expected at the start of the playoffs, although I think uh, three of them are not a shock, I guess, now that I, I say that. Two division winners, Dallas, who was the trendy cup pick, as you know, it kind of seemed like and was a point out of winning their own division. And obviously Florida is the uh, the wild card in there that people probably didn't see. But again, you if you would have said this last, um, at this time last year that uh, in a year's time, Florida, Carolina, Vegas, and Dallas were four teams in the final four, that might not even seem that shocking. So um, let's start with the East and then we'll go to the West as well. Um, the Eastern Conference Final, we we touched on it last episode, but we did want to preview it too much. Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see how this series plays out because I think this has the potential to be extremely boomer bust. I think this could either be one of the most exciting series with two high-flying offenses or just one of the most boring Toronto, but worse. Toronto, Florida, but worse in terms of lockdown defense for checking kind of series where every game is 2 1 and nothing happens. Yeah, I thought the Toronto, Florida series was interesting enough, minus like Bob going ham from a goals perspective. But yeah, I could definitely see them getting. Like if Carolina manages to make Florida boring, this series is going to be not fun at all for a neutral fan and if anyone's going to make florida boring carolina seems as good of a bet as any now you probably could say about boston and toronto too to be fair well like at times i did think toronto kind of made florida boring like game four just absolutely nothing happened and now and toronto came out of that going that's how we want to play it's like oh my god like yeah you got the win but and like if, if Carolina plays like that, and and again, I don't really think Carolina should play like that. Like I do understand like the highlight of, of um the lack of goal scoring with this team and just the overall concern of that for sure. But I just think we've seen now for two series, well, for sure last series where you know Carolina's a much better team than Florida. I don't think that's a hot take. Obviously, Florida has great players and everything like that, but Carolina from top to bottom is a much better, especially their depth. Their bottom six could, even with the injuries, should roll over Florida's. Why yeah. would you want to make it more what invite more variance into the game with a lower scoring game, right? Yeah, um, that would be exactly what you would want. Now. Florida does have a lot more top end talent, to be fair. Yeah, like with Kachuk and I would say, yeah, Barkov versus uh um no Svechnikov really hurts Carolina. And this might be, you know, maybe this is the series we finally actually see it kind of stand out, right? Where they could use a Pacioretty or a Svechnikov, or it'll depend what Teravinen's at. It looks like he will return at some point, but is he a hundred percent? kind of hard to assume that he broke his wrist two and a half, three weeks ago and he's already a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. That, that seems tough to imagine. I mean, crazier things have happened in the playoffs. It's so weird. The injuries just guys just like show up and ball out anyways, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. And, and like, again, like, yeah, who knows? But it's just one of those things where, yeah, like Florida, it's, 
I'll be really curious to see how Florida deploys their top six versus bottom six and if their bottom six can can kind of stay alive. Because I, I do kind of think that would be probably my worry if I'm Florida, where, you know, even in the Toronto series, you would have identified it. But we, how often have we talked about Toronto's bottom six has been kind of built to just do nothing? Um, now, I, I do like a Florida spread out as well, though. Like I, I should say, I, when I say Florida's depth, I, I more mean the fourth line is just very bad. And yeah, Florida yeah. doesn't play that fourth line very much, which is rightfully so. But like Lindell and Sam Reinhardt, Listerinen are on their third line right now, which is very solid. Um, so I, I guess I should maybe, maybe I, I mean more the fourth line. And, and I don't think in a playoff series, that'll be quite as big of the factor anyways. But I mean, you got Paul Stasny, Derek Stepan, Jack Drury for uh, Carolina on the fourth line. And that might not even be their full fourth line. Like that might not even be the best we see it. So um, I don't know. It'll be like, do they put the Jordan stall line on Matthew Kachuk? And then try and get Cockney Emmys. Yeah. I would like Tara Vine and stall Nekash is listed as their third line, but that's their second line really. And then Cock, Yummy, Martin, Nuke, Jesper, Fast, you probably just let them go against Lundell. Or, uh, yeah, the Lundell line. And then it'll be Apple yeah. versus Barkov's line. They're, I think their injuries are going to really start biting them this series. Yeah, I mean... Um, I mean, I not, guess they made it through New Jersey fine somehow, even though New Jersey's stacked too. But I don't know. From a matchup perspective, it seems like it'll hurt. You would just think so naturally too, right? Like, yeah. Um, and because they, yeah, they did make it through New Jersey fine, but like Jordan Martin, who had like five goals in that series. Didn't he have 11 points in the first like four games? Yeah. Something like just crazy, right? Like you just. God bless Jordan Martin. Exactly. And like you need. His wife thinks he's that good. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing, right? And like, obviously you can, you know, good teams that win the cup are going to need performances out of that. Like it's, it's kind of like why I. You know, I laugh sometimes, but I understand why Leaf fans harp and go, why the hell can't we find a Nick Paul or whatever, right? And like, sure. But again, the Hurricanes shouldn't be relying on Jordan Martinick to do this in round three or Stefan Nozen on their first line to come up with three massive points in a a game at some point. Whereas Anthony Duclair, on the other hand, yeah, I could see him scoring a a massive goal and having a big assist in a game six or something to blow the series open. Yeah, 100%. And uh-huh. yeah, because it's just, it just sucks for the Canes that they're not healthy because, you know, they aren't relying or they shouldn't be relying on those guys either, but they kind of have to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest X factor to me, and again, it sounds sounds weird to make a $10 million player an X factor, but it's that Barkov line. Uh, I thought they looked like crap in the first series against Boston. Like he was getting caved in against like an, a very hurt Bergeron. And Barkov specifically looks awful at least relative to Barkov. yeah i thought that line in general was much better against the leafs though declare especially um yeah declare Duclair was night and day from round one to round two he had his moments against boston at least that's true but like he was i guess you could argue in game five he was a little quieter games two three and even four he was just a force against that Leafs. in game two i thought he was the only panther that like looked good yeah, he looked Toronto. legitimately dominant multiple times against the Leafs, which I don't think he ever did. He's in he's kind of that thing, right? Where he's a very streaky player. Like he's not good yep. enough to be 
it's weird because he has the talent to look like a high-end player. Like, if you catch him on the right night, you could be convinced he's an all-star. But it's just that he doesn't do it half as consistently as guys who are actually like 40-goal scorers or whatever, right? Yeah, there's a reason he's a $5.5 million player and not a $9 million player. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, like, that that's the biggest X factor to me is – you know, we know even though, you know, I didn't think Matthew Kachuk, like he didn't get on the point uh, on the scoreboard too much. I thought he he was still a pretty dominant force in that um, Leaf series from a forechecking standpoint, just, you know, causing trouble in their own end. Sam Bennett was the same kind of thing. I can't believe Nick Cousins is like Matthew Kachuk has Nick Cousins looking great. That's how much that's all you need to know about what he's doing right now. Yeah. Carter Verhage, you know, he's a very solid player as well. Um, and then the, the Reinhardt, Lusta, Reinen, and Lundell line, I didn't really notice them positive or negatively, I felt like, a lot of times in that series. Obviously, Reinhardt had the one really big, it was the overtime winner, where he danced through everyone. Yeah, oh, no. that was awesome. That was the uh, final. That was the series winner. Series winner, yeah. Yeah, and then um, he had his moments as well. But, like, just in the bulk of five on five, like, I didn't think they were bad by any means. But I think, you know, you we could see them kind of doing – what they did last series where they play the evens probably come out. If it's a seven game series, maybe they come out like plus one plus two at five on five. And, and that's all you're really asking for if you're Florida. And then, yeah, you got to hope that uh, Kachuk, Duclair, um, Barkov and for Haggy, that, that kind of core four or five on the other two lines gives you enough to win. Yeah. Which seems like a fair enough bet. Yeah. I mean, like, I the and obviously I it's really easy with hindsight, obviously, but I was way too low on this Panthers team against coming into the series against the Leafs. Yeah, I think I think we all were for again, obviously it's it's easy to say in hindsight. We all were both series, right? Like they were they were equal ish in XG with both the Leafs and the and yes. the Bruins. And, even, and we saw upside, like they won the fucking president's trophy last year too, right? Yeah, and like even against Boston, though, like I don't know. To me, it was pretty off, uh, obvious Boston wasn't playing well. And and to be fair, like if Bobrovsky public models had him at nine goals saved above average or expected in five games in that series, which is nuts and probably a little too high. But like even if you want to say it's over a goal saved above expected per game, that's still crazy, right? And yeah. so there's a chance where he just doesn't stand on his head and we are looking at this team as one that was eliminated in six or whatever and going, Oh yeah, they just didn't have the depth or, or whatever. Right. But um, I do th- like they're, they're in the conference finals now. They're, and, and again, like they're facing a team and this is why rightfully so, so many teams are going, man, this feels like a really wasted year because of how beat up everyone just left is. And just, you know, Tampa's out, Boston's out like the, the giants you thought in the Colorado on the other side, uh, you know, the Giants you thought are going to be there are not there anymore. So you have a team like Florida where they obviously have their flaws, but they're coming up against Carolina team, which I think is really good. And again, like I think should be slightly favored to win this series, but it's they have their own flaws and injuries going on as well, where they're not as strong as they would have been even in past years, probably. Yeah. Well, and it's really the injuries like this Carolina team's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like and, and even like they're. I, don't, Even, I mean, hell, they're in the conference final hurt. Like exactly, and like they have played extremely well. It's not like they fluked their way to a conference final or anything like that. No, like uh, I don't know if if there was a Jack Adams for the playoffs, like Brendan Moore would be 
sprinting away with it. Yeah, like they, it's yeah, like because everything I just said about Florida, where it's like, oh well, you know, if they didn't get the goaltending or whatever, it's like, yeah, you can argue Carolina got a little lucky that the Devils absolutely imploded goal attending wise, but like yeah. you got to make them implode at some point as well, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the Devils goalies aren't good. Like it's easier to have made them implode than Shesterkin or whatever, but hell, like it's NHL level competition in the second round of the playoffs. And you made them look like a joke. Like you deserve yeah. serious credit for that. Even if they, you know, they're probably more mad at themselves than you are proud of yourself, if that makes sense. But like, it's still worthy of serious praise. Well, and even so, like you took a 110 point team and limited them to other than the one goal, the time you let up eight, but even like they posted six in most of the other games, but they only gave up two in a lot of them. So like, yeah, like it's just, I don't know. I, uh, I I think this will be a close series. I could really see this one going six or seven. Um, If you told me that Bob turns back into a pumpkin and goaltending absolutely sucks and, and it's four or five, I could see that as well. But like, let's be honest, I'm not that much more in love with Carolina's goaltending at this point. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Carolina's goaltending falling out wouldn't shock anyone, right? No, the, the only upside or like good thing I think Carolina has going for them is that they literally have three lottery balls when it comes to it. Whereas Florida yeah. really has one. Like obviously you always lie on show that he could be good for a 12 stretch game or a game stretch or whatever. But let's be honest, Florida has won that it's Bobrovsky right now. And that's about it. Whereas you could reasonably still make the argument that any of Anderson Kachekov or uh, Ranta, if he's healthy, should start game one. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it goes both ways, right? Like could be fine, but also, you know, plenty of Leafs fans wouldn't be shocked if Frederick Anderson ends up letting a, a stacked, uh, regular season team down in the playoffs either. And if Brand is not healthy, then you can run out pretty quick too. I could go yeah. both ways. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just as much as I do like all the three of them, none of those three guys have shown anything close to the upside Bobrovsky has in his career. No, no. Oh God, no, not even close. Ranta probably did the best over like it, 20 game samples. What Bob was able to do over full seasons, multiple times over. Yep, exactly. So like, um, yeah, like just in general, I have more confident, but again, like if, if I, I just pulled this up out of the six goalies that started for, um, both teams. So, uh, Florida had three, if you count Spencer Knight, we'll, we'll leave him out. Spencer Knight was last and also, um, 21 games, but out of Alex Lyon, Kachekov, Ranta, Anderson, and Bobrovsky, um, what, who do you think had the best goal saved above expected this year? Who do you think had the worst? For the full regular season? Yeah, just regular season. I'm not looking at playoffs at all. Oh, God, I have no idea. I know it would be Freddie in the playoffs. I'm just going to guess Freddie in the regular season, too, then. Freddie had the worst in the regular season. At 2.59 goals saved above expected, he was minus 1.44 above average. Alex Lyon led with 11 goals saved above expected. Now, some of that was obviously just because it doesn't have time to regress. But, like, that's exactly what I mean is, like, Kachekov was at 10.7 in the regular season. Rantev is at 5.48. Bobrovsky, 2.92. Um, and then if you go by above average, uh, Lyon still leads at 3.89, much less than T11. Um, Ranta goes to number two at 2.88. Kachekov's at two. 
Uh, Frederick Anderson's minus 1.44 and Bobrovsky's actually minus four goal saved above average. So, um, but like that right there perfectly encapsulates just kind of how random these guys have been. So. Yeah. And that's the, I think we talked about it when they signed, like what they did, like you protect, you insulate yourself from variance when you have multiple options and, you know, Carolina is a really smart team and they're doing a really smart thing. Yep, exactly. So, um, I the, the blue line's the one part we haven't really touched on, I guess. Um, I really, I think if there is an underrated part about this Hurricanes team, it probably is their blue line now. Um, yeah. And I say that simply because, like, we obviously knew for a while it was underrated because it was so good, got talked about too much that it probably became overrated, and I think is back down to underrated because people don't kind of consider how good it is still at this point again, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, it used to be the only thing anybody talked about, and everyone thought they were smart because they knew that uh, Jacob Slavin was, in fact, good. Now it's pretty well established that everybody knows he's good. And, like, I mean, I've even underrated them. I didn't realize Brent Burns had been just absolutely killing it for them. Yeah, like, I remember we were on opposite sides of the opinion of when that trade happened. And granted, I'm still a little worried that he has two years left on a contract and he's 40 years old. But, um, you know, right I now, thought, yeah, exactly right. Like, and I thought, you know, year one, maybe it could work out if, you know, you put him with a guy who's very defensively responsible and they've gotten the as high of an upside as you could ever ask for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is literally the hundredth percent outcome. Yeah. And then back the other way, Brandon Montour was pretty quiet in that Toronto series. Um, I think Stahl, Montour, even honestly, their entire bottom four. I thought Gustav Forsling, A, he's probably one of the more underrated players on this Florida team just in terms of importance and how good he is but him and Ekblad are the two pillars that need to keep going on this defense because I really thought like Mark Stahl and Brandon Montour it reminded me of shades almost of um CC FNAF when Ottawa went on their conference final run yeah I, I really didn't think they looked good in the Leaf series but they got a lot of credit because Bobrovsky made four saves above expected over the series while they're on the ice or whatever yeah and like I know it's really flashy to like Montour. And usually, like, I know his roar and stuff is fine. Buoyed mostly by the shooting and production. When I watch Montour, and maybe he just played uniquely terrible beliefs, he looked awful, I thought. Or not awful, but, like, you weren't scared of him at five on five, that's for sure. No, he was very quiet, especially offensively in that Leaf series. Yeah. Um, and even if he was scoring like power play goals or whatever, like he did the series before, like he was so middling at five on five. Like, yeah, you still don't scare me at all, even if you're definitely a threat to pop one on the power play. Yeah. And even Ekblad, like I, I say Ekblad and, and Forsling, like I say they've got to be the pillars. They were the worst in terms of expected goals in that series. Through five games, Forsling had a 43% expected goals, four percentage, and Ekblad at 38 at five on five. Hmm. Josh Maharo was first that. at 56%, the only player above 50 on the blue line for the Panthers. Montour was at 49. Gudis was at 46. And Mark Stahl was at 44. Damn. So, so, like, they need to step it up because if they play like that, like, it's just, it's very unlikely Bob's going to be able to post five straight games as good as he just played. Maybe he plays at 90% of it. Maybe he does play at 100. It's just if you're counting on Bob to play the exact same way he did against the Toronto series you're going to be in tough. You're screwed. Yeah. So, um, I don't, yeah, that's all I really have. I'm going to go Canes in six on this one, but 
to be totally honest, like I, I could really see this going either way. I don't think it should be more than 60, 40 max uh, in favor of the Canes. And even that, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'll say Canes and seven. I, the same thing. I think Dom has it like 55, 45. That, that sounds about right to me, honestly. Like, I, yeah, I think he actually had both of the series. Yeah, my 55 that uh that doesn't shock me either because we'll uh i say i'm really excited there's a usually we start with the east but i kept the west for last uh on purpose this time and that is because i think it could be a really 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 exciting series um but first wanted to uh take a quick second to thank our uh, sponsors at athletic greens their signature ag1 is an effort uh, effortless daily habit that is easy to make work for you however you choose to drink ag1 is the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute ag1 tastes great uh, and feels even better harvested from farms around the world ag1's ingredients shine in a subtle sweet taste with notes of pineapple and a hint of vanilla simply follow the link in our show description and get started today yeah no i i this is this could be a really really good series i'm i think um no offense to Seattle. Even Seattle, I think, would have been exciting just in terms of how they play with so much depth on offense and everything like that. But um, I was really looking forward to any combination of Stars, Oilers, Vegas in in a conference final. Um, and I'm, I think this should be a phenomenal series. I, again, another one where I don't know what to expect in terms of like, is it going to be high-flying offense? Is it going to be tight checking? Because these teams can play both ways. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about this in my head. Who wants to do what? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like, it's fairly obvious when we were talking in the Leafs series. Like, oh, like, if the Leafs can avoid getting into a track meet with Florida, like, the Leafs are fine if they can just play their 55% XG and eventually, uh, obviously, they weren't fine. But, like, it was fairly obvious who did and didn't want to get into a track meet or whatever. I have no idea which way you go with this series. Yeah, I would think obviously it's you there's only to a certain degree. I would say if I had to choose one team that would probably be wanting to get more into a track meet type game, it might be Dallas. And I say that because I really like their I think their depth is really underrated up front. Max Domi has been a massive pickup for this team and uh, him, Mason Marchment and Tyler Sagan have been a great second line. And, or, you know, you can slide Joe Pavelski down to that second line. Sagan can slide up to the first and it's still hints. Robertson Sagan is a great first line. And then Evgeny Dadonov has been an awesome pickup as well. We've already talked about him multiple times, I think during this playoff run, but Wyatt Johnson's look good. And Jamie Ben's having a, a nice little career resurgence on the third line. Um, which, funny enough, if you want to relate it back to Toronto, that's why when people go, I don't know, can you have an 11 million guy in Tavares on the wing? Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan really are doing it in Dallas, so I don't really know what you want there. But um, And then even their fourth line, Radic Faxa, Joel Carvanta. I don't love Luke Denning, but whatever. If if I'm going to 12 forward and I go, mm, I'm not sure, that's a pretty good lineup, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Not many teams can get to 12 before you start having questions. Yeah. A lot of teams, and, it's like six, and you're like, oh. Yeah, like, do I love Kerfoot as, like, the seventh best forward? Or, like, exactly. on the Hurricanes, even, do I love Kakniemi as the second center on their team listed right yeah. now? Even Vegas. Like, yeah. If you uh, go by their time on ice leaders, the guy who played their most five-on-five time on ice was 
Ivan Barbashev. <laughs> you don't love yeah. that. He's like, yeah, he's on there for Barbashev, Eichel, Jonathan Marcheseau, and then Brett Howden. Like yeah, even Brett yeah, Howden. Howden's right next win. there. You don't love yeah. that. No, uh, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Nicholas Waugh. That's a fine, good third line. And then William Carrier, Teddy Bluger, and Keegan Colesars. Whatever is a fourth line, I guess. I don't really have a strong it's opinion of that one. Line of enough. players. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other reason I do say, though, if one team had to choose to get into a track meet versus the other against each other is if I'm Dallas, I know he didn't play great in round two, but you know you got the better goalie. It's true. Aiden yeah, Hill that's true. against Jake Ottinger at this point, right? So, like, yeah, if obviously we saw with Bobrovsky, and even Aiden Hill played insanely well when he had to come in for Bersois last round, but it's like just over time, you should feel better if you are both putting up 25 scoring chances in a game that your star goalie, who has been a star for a year and a half, is better than a journeyman backup who hasn't played more than 20 games in a season. I take that bet. As noisy as goalies are, you kind of just have to live and die with that bet. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I it, uh, I I think that um, you know it, it's weird because I I don't feel as highly about this Vegas team as I have in years past. Obviously, like no patch of ready or whatever just kind of takes a little you know steam out of the sails. But like this is a team that just went head to head against a an Edmonton team that threw everything they could offensively on it and struggled in a few games, but didn't struggle for the most part in the series. And there was even a couple games where they went, okay, you want to get into a track meet? We will get into a track meet with you guys. And we're fine with that. Yeah. Like I don't, it doesn't seem like Vegas would be a great shutdown team at the, or like have the ability to shut down a team that can ice multiple elite scoring lines like Dallas can. But I mean, like given what they just did to, Edmonton I can't doubt their ability to do that here either yeah and I mean yeah you want to talk about uh, Jack Adams uh, in the playoffs Bruce Cassidy's like just a guy who probably doesn't get enough credit and I still think doesn't just because of what happened in Boston this year but like yeah yeah and that makes sense just like uh he left, like, they stayed good kind of thing and not even stayed good they got better to the best season anyone's seen in terms of points <laughs> well, right yeah they improved dramatically but like again, like I think even people who are super high on the Bruins can admit that it was a lot of good things going right at the same time all year, and you can't fault Bruce, Bruce Cassidy for that. Whereas he took a Vegas team, won the division with them, despite never really having a full lineup or even sometimes a starting goalie. Like he had four goalies, I think, have more than three wins this year or something like that, or more than five wins, maybe it was. Like it's just crazy what yeah, he did. He probably this year. did, eh? It was, I know Hill did for sure. Yep. Hill had, I think Hill played in like 20 games and had like 10 wins at least. Quick played in 10 games and had over five wins. Brassois played in a bunch. And obviously Logan Thompson was a freaking all-star. But like, that's just what he does. You give him a goalie, he's going to make them look good. And I still think maybe they got the extreme end of that in terms of, I don't think this Vegas team is going to survive Dallas as well if, Petrangelo is playing at a 40% expected goals rate like he did in round two. Martinez was 43%. Now, granted, they were ta- they were the primary guys against McDavid and then McDavid Dreisaitl when they got put together. Um, so it's kind of a bend-don't-break situation. But, like, you just can't get away with your top guy at a 40% expected goals for too long, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're just going to catch up to you at some point there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, I, I think this team is, you know, 
it's hard to say anyone's sneaky good over there in the conference final. Um, but definitely just even how I felt la- compared to last year. Um, but you know, it, it's funny. Um, I think the X factor probably for Vegas and again, they were, I, from, I believe the, I didn't get to watch as much of the Edmonton series as I would have wanted, but I believe they were trying to match Mark stone against the McDavid line as much as they could. And stone Howden and Stevenson got eaten alive at five on five. They were all 36% expected goals over six games. Whereas the Marcia. So Barbashev Eichel line was all 58 for Marcia. So in terms of expected goals, 55.8 for Barbashev and 53 for Jack Eichel. So yeah. Cause it was really just the Eichel line that feasted. Eh? Yeah. And they were nine goals on uh, Eichel was on for eight on, on against for one. Uh, Marshall and Barbashev were on for nine against for two. Just insane. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So again, I I get it's tough when you're playing guys of that caliber, but like, it's not like, you know, he's not even the best playoffs, obviously, but it's not like Jason Robertson's a slouch or even, you know, just the, the depth that they have going with Max Domi and, and Sagan, how he's playing. Like those are good players. Mark Stone needs to be much above a 36% expected goals player. Yeah, Mark Stone better be dialed in. And it's it sucks. I really wonder how many years Mark Stone has left. It is so obvious his back is still giving him issues. And like yeah. that is so concerning for a dude in his 30s who has been dealing with back problems for three years now and missed most of this year because of it. Like it honestly. Yeah, and- he seemed like a guy who was just going to struggle with aging, just the speed. You don't want to see a guy like that lose a staff, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, he was never fleet as the foot. And like he slipped to the fifth round because he literally could not skate in junior got it up to at least an NHL caliber level, but he was never, ever, ever quick. Like, in fact, like if you watched him, he went, that's one of the ugliest skaters I've ever set eyes on, but he was so smart that it didn't matter. And yeah, like it just, and even just like he's never been a guy, like he's not a power forward by any means, but he's always been a guy that's around the net, not afraid to, you know, take cross checks or whatever. And that's clearly just worn him down. So it kind of genuinely feels like it might be getting for the next couple of years where they go, you are just not playing much of the regular season unless Jack Eichel gets hurt. We can put your cap on and we're just hoping you're going to be okay for the playoffs. Like I, I genuinely wonder if that's what it gets to at some point. It's probably not the worst strategy, eh? Like, I don't see too many other options, but you know, hopefully that, uh, hopefully that isn't the case because Mark Stone was generally one of the most my one of my most favorite players to watch, especially when he's in his peak. So, yeah, I love Mark Stone. Um, anything also like unconventional, right? Yes, he's not flashy, but that's the thing. He's a very technical fun, you know. Like, yeah, but even. Yeah, he doesn't do too many flashy things, but even just watching him turn a puck over at center ice and flip it back for a two-on-one the other way is like, it's not technically flashy, but it, it it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he's a fun guy to just like actually pay attention to. And I always found it so weird when it was that controversial that he was an analytics darling. I was like, I don't know. If you just watch a guy who happens to successfully take the puck away from every opponent within nine square meters of him every time, like I can't be that shocked that that's good at driving goal differential. Can you? Yeah, exactly. Like it's, yeah, I did. Um, Anything else on this series? The defense for both sides, like 
it'll be interesting to see again. Like, yeah, Theodore's got to be, or the- Theodore's fine in the second round. Uh, Petrangelo's got to be a lot better though. Heiskanen, it'll be interesting to see what his face looks like after taking the puck, but um, he's kind of having a really big, I, I think he had a bit of it last season too, but it was more the Ottinger show when they lost in seven round one. He's having his coming out playoff party this year, eh? Yes. Yes, he absolutely is. And rightfully, like, deservedly so, but um, it's, yeah, this has been, uh, ooh, like, get eyes on him as much as you can. And it is fair because he is, you want to talk about flashy, fun-to-watch defensemen. Um, you know, if it wasn't for uh, Kale McCarr in the league, like, he would be up there, easily slam dunk as, like, must-watch. And he is that next tier. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, so that's not always a little too bad. With guys like McCarr that are just so much better than everyone else because the next tier kind of get forgotten. Like, oh, when. There's an obvious name there. Yeah, like it's just, it's the same with like, I always kind of felt bad for a guy like P.K. Subban because he just lived. Is it Carlson? Yeah, exactly. Like he lived in the shadows isn't the right word, but I feel like he almost was underappreciated sometimes because like what he was doing was so special, but Eric Carlson just happened to be doing something even more special at the same time, you know? Yeah, and and Subban got screwed specifically because he was – offensive tilt like Dowdy was worse than Carlson but he was a lot more different so he kind of got he got his due while Carlson was there or whatever right but Subban was just we have Carlson at home which was still awesome but you know not yeah, as good as the best defenseman of the generation literally exactly like the best defenseman we've seen since like Nicholas Lindstrom or whatever right like, yeah it's like oh man how dare, how dare you yeah what a bomb eh? yeah um i guess the one other thing i wanted to touch on quick just to um pick your brain on it was jason robertson's been a guy i've noticed has taken a decent amount of flack for uh um not having a great playoffs like being pretty quiet in the playoffs and his stats definitely do help because he had a three-point game in a 5-2 win against seattle in round two there, but like, it's like almost Mitch Marner vibes from round one in terms of like, and even more so to me, this guy has 12 points in 13 playoff games and he just led all Dallas stars round two skaters with a 56% Corsi four and a 73% expected goals rate at five on five through the seven games. Yeah. And it feels oh, sorry, like 67. reaching, like I know the broadcaster in game seven was dumping on him because he only had two goals and it's like, well, like, there's more than just goals matter. He has 10 assists. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the stars would love if he had a couple more goals, but if it means that he loses four of those assists for one more goal, I don't think they do want that. Yeah. Not at all. And like, I think they said one was an empty net or whatever, but you know, I, it, it's well within variance. Like he's a, I think he scored a hundred points this year or whatever. Like a, a hundred point player scoring at a eighty-two point pace in the playoffs, while only leading his team in XG and stuff. Like I don't know, that doesn't seem like a narrative worth like picking apart to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and even just like I thought maybe it was he popped off in the later stems of this round, but it doesn't look like it. it. Looks like he had about six points in each round. But like, yeah, again, because he only had two goals or whatever, people are losing their minds. Like, guys, like, what are we doing here? And yeah, I just I ten assists. He's almost an assist per game, literally. And and like, 
yeah. So to me, and again, like it's not like he is sitting at uh 30% expected goals or whatever. The only player higher than him, because I, I just read out he was at 56%. Um, he does lead the team in course he four. He's second on the forwards in expected goals with 67%. Rupe hands that 73%. You want to talk about a guy in a series, but sure. um I love Rupe. Yeah, but like everything about Robertson's numbers just screen and like it's no shock that Hints Robertson Pavelski are one, two, three, all sixty percent plus sixty-five percent plus expected yeah. goals because they're a line. But like this isn't a guy that just is lost out there or anything like that, you know? Well, in the line, like if we were to look at this like a like a regression or like a model would, well, we know who the line's best player was from the regular season. So in a small sample, we probably not in spite of Jason Robertson that the line is succeeding in the playoffs, right? Like it, the line doesn't randomly start succeeding in spite of its best player at, when the playoffs start. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like I don't, and like people are rightfully giving a ton of credit to Rupe Hintz, who has been absolutely phenomenal for two rounds. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say he doesn't deserve credit that he's getting because he has been just like in incredible, you know, 19 points in nine games. That's, that's absurd. You know, yeah. Um, but again, or in in thirteen games, sorry, nineteen points in thirteen games. Um, but still, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just like people are making it sound like it is Robertson falling off cliff, and in spite of it, Rupe Hintz is doing all this. Like, no, it's like they're still just working together amazingly as a line, and it's good to see Joe Pavelski back healthy because he completes that trio, and makes him one of the best lines, maybe the best line left in the playoffs. Probably the best line left in the playoffs. Yeah, like to chuck the best individual, but I'm taking I was just saying over one with fucking what's his name on it, Nick Cousins. Exactly, and like yeah, the, unless Florida was to load up a Kachuk Barkov line, is the only yes. way we get close. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So- so yeah, um, I'll go Dallas and seven just because I have Dallas winning the cup. So I'm going to keep going with that pick, but I, this is one where I think this should be about a 52 48 kind of series. I'm going to go Vegas and seven. I'm going to stick right. with my preseason or uh, pre-playoff prediction. You're sticking with yours. We'll see what All happens. Right. One of us is going to have at least one right team in the cup final. We won't talk about the Eastern side of things because uh, yeah, I don't need, I, I, I was so close to choosing Carolina. And then I don't know why I just, I got kind of scared about the injuries and I had them losing the Islanders in round one instead. But my, the first bracket I hit enter on was Dallas Carolina. And then I chickened out of it. And now I'm regretting it, but. That would have uh, been pretty sweet actually. Yeah. If Carolina yeah. was healthy, I probably would have had Carolina rolling at least on this round, but I got scared off by the injuries. Yeah, me too. And that's why I, I kind of did it, but. Um, one last thing real quick before, uh, you know, I want to keep this a shorter episode. I got a hard out in a couple minutes, but uh, the Arizona Coyotes Tempe Arena deal got uh, shut down. Two billion dollar arena project uh, was voted against by the citizens of Tempe uh, yesterday. Um, I think it was a 33 percent voter turnout and it was about 58 percent. No, is what 56 uh, percent. No, 44 percent. Yes, um, 33 for 32 percent turnout. So. Um, there it, it's already been confirmed that they will be playing in Mullet Arena next year, which I don't think that should shock anyone to be completely honest. Like Greg Wyshynski yeah. tweeted out, slow that Arizona uh, relocation talk down for now. They were never relocating for this year. No team would have no. had the, 
like how much marketing and shit would have had to go into that, right? Like, yeah, like imagine there's oh yeah, we're we're relocating in uh yeah, you have two months or whatever it would work yeah. out to be. Like that's absurd. Exactly. But this does bring up a much bigger point is that it is time to get this team the fuck out of Arizona. Like there's just no beating around the ball. And I this is not a shot at the few the passionate Coyotes fans there are. I know there are some out there, there are out there, you know, but it's just clearly not enough to make sense in this market. And it hasn't been for a very long time. Ever, ever. I was looking at their guy. I was curious because I was like, I understand this. They've been a shit team for a long. And right now, I do not blame anyone for not wanting to go watch what they are doing on ice right now. It is a pathetic I, I I completely understand why they're doing it, why they're trying to rebuild this way, but it is a pathetic on-ice product that I don't blame people for not going to watch right now. That being said, they went to conference final in 2012, it was. They were second last in capacity of attendance then, too. They haven't been, a, they've been out of the bottom three for the past two years, and this past year was because they only had 4,600 people that they could fit. And then 2021 was a COVID year as well, still for some of the Canadian buildings. Before that, they hadn't been out of the bottom three in percentage build by, by building for a year's attendance since 2005 or six. Yeah, and they they've never turned a profit. I saw. I don't know if that's true, but I believe it. Mm-hmm. Like as a team, like it's shitty. It it's beyond shitty for for those who are the fans there and that's why it's it's kind of unnecessary for people who are like celebrating this openly it's like i don't know that seems a little dickish but like the coyotes not being in arizona is objectively almost certainly going to be very good for the league relative to staying there it just can't be worse is is the thing right yeah like i don't know what they could like they could probably put the team in hamilton and it would be better yeah like i and again like i don't this isn't just too like, obviously it is two canadians just sitting on a park i'm not saying they need to relocate to quebec city or whatever the hell like no, put it in houston or something if you want exactly or even like i saw someone say salt lake like sure i find i see a not a massive market or whatever but they could have a rivalry with the colorado avalanche i'd see how that would develop or whatever like i just there's kansas city even like there's just got to be a better market than this because this is so clearly not working. And yeah. again, I say that as someone who cheered for a team where not even five years ago, our own the owner and the outdoor game went, hmm, I don't know if people don't start showing up. I might just have to move. <laughs> and I could threaten the team, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, and that wasn't fun. And I, I understand, but like, you just the, the Arizona Coyotes have never averaged more than 15,500 people for the home game in a season. And like, yeah, it's so like easy to see a... what could be with the senators, right? Like I've yeah, never like, heard of what could be argument with the Coyotes. No, the, the senators sold out their, the one of the biggest, like top four biggest bill five, like the thing sits 21,000 people, I think at its peak. And they sold that out for the entirety of the mid two thousands. And then even into the 2010s, like it was just until the government issues started coming with the pay in the mid 2000s that stuff kind of got or mid 2010s got stuff like wasn't quite as well and even then they were still crushing the coyotes in attendance yeah yeah exactly like it's just there's like, not 
a magic bullet solution to make it work. No. And again, this isn't something where, I don't know, let's say uh, they go into, and, and like just to give anyone an example, if they're not sure what I'm talking about right now, um, this year, the Ottawa Senators, for the first time, they still weren't good this year, but they had a little bit of hope. Jumped from, they were basically last in most years in terms of uh, uh, attendance per game. They jumped into two, four, six, eight, into 23rd this year at 16, seven with average, on average. Like, again, not perfect or anything like that, but right around the Sabres and the Devils and the Blue Jackets and the Islanders. It's like, yeah, for a team that was on the fringe of the playoffs, that seems about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a bunch of teams that definitely aren't leaving. You don't have to be, you know, bragging about the attendance or anything, but it's not getting kicked out. No, and yeah, like it's just, again, let's say it's not like this has been a two-year thing, you know? Like, let's say Vegas... The expansion, they sucked right away. They had the old expansion rules or whatever. And everyone, you know, who was predicting, oh, it'll never work in the desert. Look at the Coyotes. And it is the exact same as as the Coyotes for Vegas. Let's say they're having a real struggle in year five or whatever. I would still be like, it's only year five. You know, let the team turn around, especially if like Vegas has been bad the whole time. Obviously, they haven't. That's been a huge help in getting the fan base. But I would be like, let's see what the market looks like when they're good for once, right? Like Rally Carolina is a perfect example of that. There were times when that team was rebuilding where it's like, oh my God, there is no one here. They get good. They settled the building literally every single night to the point where four years ago, we were talking about ticket sales with that team. It is not even a remote question anymore. No, no, it's sort of hurricanes are there to stay, right? Exactly. But that's just, it has not been the case with the Coyotes. And again, Part of it is the team has sucked for a lot of their 30-year existence or whatever. But at some point, you know, they've been around since like 96. At some point, you got to stop using the excuse, oh, the team's just not good enough. That's why we're getting 11,000 people or less out to our games. Yeah, you, you, and it's it sucks <sighs> that there's no obvious like way around it, but. No, but it's just, you go it just to. It is, right? You talk to any, like, your parents have snowboard, or went down to Arizona before. Mine have as well. Like, you talk to any snowbirds down there, you can be getting an Uber to the game. They'd be like, oh, so what are you going to do tonight? You'd be like, we're going to watch Coyotes. They're like, who's that? Like, is that a lacrosse team or something? Like, no, like hockey. Like, oh, we have a hockey team here? They don't even yeah, know about it. It's like a meme how little they care, which, you know, you don't have to care about hockey, but it's, man, enough people do to hit critical mass for the area. Exactly. Just, they don't have to care about hockey, but hockey doesn't have to stay in that market. So yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting where it goes. They'll obviously be in Arizona for another year. I you'd have to think relocation's got to be next now, but apparently their last ditch effort is just going to be hoping that the Suns billionaire owner lets them split that building. Which I don't know. Good luck, but we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, Chase, I got to really run. Sure. Exactly right. Like it's just it's crazy, dude. Um, I got to go. So any last words quick? Anything you want to hit on that we missed? Or? I think I'm all good. All right. Well, uh, we will talk to everyone on uh, Monday when the round three has officially started. And we're looking forward to that for sure. Uh, I hope everyone has a happy long weekend, both here and in the States. Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at initial Suns and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Chase, I believe you had an article out on your Substack this week, correct? About... Uh, um, 
over analyzing draft prospects and how it applies to the playoffs as well. Yep. Um, yes, so go check that out on Chase's Substack, or you can also just find it on his Twitter. Uh, you can find all my stuff at lastwordinhockey.com. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week.